everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior and IJ nephropathy warrior, and I'm dedicated to sharing the stories of those with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Well, hi, everyone. My guest today is Dr. Selvi Rangasamy, a Crohn's warrior, physician, and integrative nutrition health coach. From medications and multiple surgeries, including a temporary ostomy and facing death, she's reached remission and filled her life with joy, purpose, and the ability to guide others on the path to gut health. Thank you so much for joining me today, Selvi, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you. I already know that we are going to have so much to talk about today, and I'm looking forward to this. So let's go ahead and we'll jump in. Let's get started. And why don't you share with us your Crohn's story and start about when and how you were diagnosed? Sure. Um, so I was diagnosed actually back in 1996. Um but you know, it's interesting. Hindsight being 2020, I realized I had symptoms all the way back in childhood. So it had been there for years um, prior. You know, when I was a very young child, I remember having ulcers in my mouth and um, just a quote-unquote sensitive stomach, um, all of those things. But you know, fast forward to 1996, I was having um, digestive issues and which felt like a stomach virus or food poisoning or something, and it just was loose stools that wouldn't stop. So I would take over-the-counter medications that would kind of slow things down. I'd stop the medications and it would come right back. And it was like, okay, something's not right here. Um, and so, you know, the doctors started to investigate and then they did some blood work. They saw that I had really high inflammatory markers in my blood. And then they were, they were trying to figure out where, put, you know, two and two together, ran a study um, that showed I had inflammation in my small intestine in the terminal ileum. And then they said, okay, it might be one of these four things. Um, and then they did a colonoscopy later on. And then they discovered uh, there that I had ulcerations. And when they did the biopsies, then they said, yes, you have Crohn's disease. Um, and me being me at the time and very naive was just like, what's that? And when does it go away? <laughs> <laughs> Not the good news you were hoping for, probably, when you found out it doesn't really go away. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much what they followed it up with, you know, and uh, you probably have to be on medications for the rest of your life. And, you know, the whole um, not very positive, you know, just how old were you when they first diagnosed it? Yeah, I was I was 19. Um, and, you know, I still I can vividly remember that point of t in time is just etched in my memory. And uh, it's just it, it, that day went on to change my life, you know forever. So what happened next? You get the diagnosis and I'm assuming you get started on the traditional treatments. But at that time in 1996, there really weren't a whole lot of options, definitely mm -hmm. not medication wise for Crohn's. So tell me about your journey and how that treatment got started. Sure. So they, you're right. There weren't a whole lot of options at that point in time. So they started me on misalamine, asacol, um, and steroids. And the steroids were great initially. All of a sudden, you know, I could eat, I had energy, I felt so much better. And then, you know, they wanted to taper me off and they just weren't able to taper me off the steroids completely. So I wound up being on steroids for two years um, straight. And 
my body had a lot to say about it. So it is not just, you know, that my face looked, you know, expanded and all of this and my moods were all over the place, but I wound up actually developing compression fractures in my back. My bones started to thin as a side effect. And when they ran a scan, they saw that I had severe osteoporosis. I had the bones of a very old woman, despite the fact that I was still in my early 20s at this point in time. And, you know, after being on steroids for two years, the way that I wound up getting off, I mean, I can kind of laugh about it now, was from having major surgery. So major surgery wound me up in the hospital. I developed spontaneous perforation. So hole in my intestine. They have no idea how or why it happened. It just happened. During my last semester in college, I was like, you know, now looking back, I was like, man, the universe really has an interesting sense of humor. You know, here I was like, the end is in sight. And it's like, yeah, nope, not quite. Sorry. Were you still on the steroids when the perforation happened? I was. Yeah. And so that then one of the other, you know, issues with steroids is that it starts to um, create trouble with the wound healing. Wound healing just is that much harder. So at that point in time, they're like, well, now we really have to get you off because now you have this huge surgical wound and it's not going to heal very easily until and unless we get you off the steroids. So that was kind of when, you know, push came to shove and I wound up needing to get off of the medications you know, woke up in the recovery room, not knowing what was going to happen. You know, what they had told me pre-surgery was we're going to, you know, do an exploratory laparotomy and which means just they were going to open up my stomach and kind of see what they find inside. And my young brain just couldn't process any of it. You know, I remember that morning, my stomach was actually rock hard. Like it was as hard as a table. Up until then, I was in denial. I'm like, I want to go home. I want to finish college. I got things to do. I don't have time to be here. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no time for a disease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People at my mother's like, girl, you can barely even stand up straight. What are you thinking? You're not going anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want surgery. <laughs> um, yeah. So then I woke up in the recovery room and I had this ostomy bag on my right side. I had another bag on my left side um, that was connected to the other side of my intestine. I had two drains coming out of my abdomen and I had this huge wound down the middle that they couldn't fully seal just because of the situation that I was in. So I had huge gaps in between sections of my surgical incision. And I just kind of looked down you know, when they came to examine me, you know, and I was just like, what the heck happened to me? Had that even crossed your mind? Because you said it was going to be exploratory surgery, but you were, if I'm not mistaken, you were in undergrad or had you been in medical undergrad. school at that point? Okay. So had you really learned in that time much about the digestive system or had that even been a thought that this might be an option? No. And I mean, you know, Looking back now, maybe I've blocked out pieces of it. Maybe they even use the word ostomy. I don't think I understood what that meant. All I knew was that I was going to go into this operating room. Something was going to happen that I didn't want to happen. And that was it, right? So now I'm seeing this and all of a sudden I'm like, oh gosh, like things that are supposed to be inside or outside. And like I can, I have this clear bag on the side. I can literally see what my intestines are putting out that I don't want to see. It was just... It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. And I shut down emotionally. I totally shut down and cut off from myself because I didn't know how else to deal with it. You know? Yeah. What helped to get you through that? You said you kind of emotionally shut down. Were you just going through the motions at that point, just getting through life? Literally was. Yeah. 
Um, the one thing I think that did keep me going was they told me that it would be reversible. So I knew, hoped, prayed, but you know, deep down, I think knew that this situation was going to be temporary. So I'm like, okay, well, at some point this is going to be reversed. Hopefully they said, hopefully within a few months, but you know, my body would always take things a little bit longer and stretch things out as it needed to, which, you know, I have compassion for now, not so much at the time. But I'm like, okay, so that'll be reversed, and then I'll be able to recover, and then I'll be able to go to medical school, and then life will go back to normal. <laughs> Did it go back to normal? <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, you and I know there's a different punchline to that story. <laughs> so take me through that. You've got the ostomy. You're thinking, you're going through the motions. Yeah. How long did you have it? Were you on any medications? Did they stop the steroids since you had the ostomy or was it that and steroids or more? So they did stop the steroids at that point in time. And I felt like I was really struggling to recover. Um, I had the ostomy for almost a year, like almost a year. Yeah, it was one month less than a year. And in between that time was when I developed a compression fracture. And I was like, okay, so the incision, the, the surgical scar like took over nine months to heal and it needed to heal completely before they could go back and reverse things. Then I developed this compression fracture, like almost at the end of that window. So that pain needed to kind of get under control before they could go in. Because again, one of the first things they're going to tell you after surgery is get up and walk. And I could barely get up from the bed and walk to the living room. So it was excruciating. So that needed to get under control. So yeah, I mean, in terms of what would keep me going during those time periods, um, I really got into cooking. I loved watching Food Network. I loved to be in the kitchen. And I'd always loved to be in the kitchen, but more to bake when I was younger. Now it was more to cook um, and to experiment, you know, in that way. And that gave me some sort of sense of normalcy, you know, staying with my parents at the time and just kind of trying to get through the day, you know, and um, the end point for me was medical school was just like, okay, I got to do what I got to do and I've got to get there. And that's what would keep me, you know, going in some sense. So after they reversed the ostomy, is that when they dealt with the compression fracture? And then what happened next? So in terms of the compression fracture, there was nothing that was done for it surgically. Um, it was just, okay, let's kind of let things settle down. Um, let's let, you know, the pain kind of settle down, which thankfully it started to do. I did get some physical therapy, um, to help to strengthen, um, my core muscles to some extent. I mean, more than strengthen my core muscles, I think it just took some of the strain off of my back. Um, I'm kind of laughing about that because it's probably not until the past year to two years that I've really started to feel real strength in my core muscles and see some tone and see all of that starting to shift. So it's been a long journey there. But yeah, so then and then medication wise, I was off the steroids as soon as that first surgery happened. So I was still, you know, on um, mesalamine on acicol, but then they were at this point trying to play with other medications. So you know, things like 6MP and, you know, other sorts of immunosuppressives that they had at the time think, I want to say somewhere around the time of the second surgery or so was when Remicade had become approved. And I remember my GI doctor saying, but I don't feel comfortable with you taking that. Like that it's just, it's too soon. It's too new. You're too young. I don't want to play around with potential long-term side effects. So there was just a lot of struggle because I felt like I didn't have a whole lot of guidance and I didn't have a whole lot of tools 
that were able to help me. You know, it was like these one or two medications. I would ask about things like diet or, you know, like, are there other things that I could do? And more often than not, I would get back the spiel of, well, diet doesn't really play a role, which looking back to me is hysterically funny. But, you know, at the time was just like, well, my doctor's saying that, so that must be true. So therefore I can go and eat whatever I want, which probably not the best tactic. <laughs> so they didn't put you on the Remicade. They just kept you on the mesalamine mm -hmm. and the, the acetyl. Correct. Yeah. Um, and they would try other medications and it seemed like, you know, I would have a side effect with every one of them. So I already had a low white blood cell count to begin with. So I would take an immunosuppressive like 6MP or something in that class and my white blood cell count would immediately drop. And they're like, uh, this isn't safe. We can't keep you on this. And so it was just whatever they tried, it was something or the other that was a limiting factor. And so they wound up giving me things like suppositories or, you know, the mesalamine enemas, or they even tried the steroid enemas for a while. Like it was just, and those are really glamorous for anyone who's ever tried them, you know. I, I have tried them and yeah. I was in my early 20s and quite glamorous. Yeah, fun times. <laughs> so what happened at that point? You, did you just kind of stay in this not great, but not bad kind of no man's land for for a while as you finished going through school and did you get closer to remission at that point or what did the next few years look like yeah so the next few years i would say getting into medical school getting through medical school was more or less just me um, clenching my teeth and pushing forward with sheer determination um I didn't eat the best diet along the way, you know, college, no stress there, medical school, even less stress there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it was a bit of a perfect storm, you know, in a way with all of that going on. And denial is a powerful thing. You know, denial is a very powerful thing. Like if I work hard enough and I run fast enough and I move fast enough, maybe I won't have to deal with this thing in the background, AKA Crohn's disease. And I was only able to outrun it for a certain period of time, meaning, and not really outrun it effectively either, right? So, you know, I would be so tired during, you know, the day at college, I'd have to take a nap. My father would call to check in on me to see how I was doing. And I'm like, I want to take a nap, dad. And he's like, why do you need a nap in the afternoon? It didn't click for me at the time. I was like, well, I don't know. My body just didn't have a whole lot of energy, you know, um, or I would have um, in medical school, probably more so like cramping would start. So I'd have, you know, intestinal spasms or things. And I'd be like, okay, well, you know, it, this is temporary. It'll pass. It'll pass, you know, and just kind of trying to breathe through it or, you know, like, again, like smiling on the outside and, you know, dying on the inside. And I know, you know, some of my clients and people who I've spoken to who have gone through some difficult things, they know exactly what that's like, right? You know, never let them see you sweat. So you need to pace a smile on the outside and inside. No one knows what's going on. And it was rough. It was really rough. And, you know, again, for me, looking back, I was just like, okay, what other medication is out there? You know, so eventually I did wind up trying Remicade. I did wind up trying, you know, Humira. I did okay with Remicade until I didn't do so great. And all this time, I was never able to get to remission, not through blood work or colonoscopy, not through physical symptoms either, right? So I was still feeling pretty lousy, you know, 
along the way. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I obsessively follow, you know, the magazines or whatever to be like, okay, what new thing is coming out? Or are there, you know, studies? Is something else new promising coming out on the pipeline? And I was so focused on that and what could be. But meanwhile, I mean, that's only one piece, one potential piece of the puzzle in my experience and in my opinion. There's still everything else that's going on, right? So mentally, I wasn't taking care of myself. Physically, I was not eating the best diet at all. My college diet was Taco Bell was in our cafeteria. And let's just say we were there a little too much. <laughs> Lived in New York City. There's a lot of good food to be had. And I wasn't eating the best quality, right? So the amount of pizza and takeout Chinese food and, you know, all of these things where, you know, thankfully I was not in a space to drink, so I didn't drink alcohol, but I was doing everything else that wasn't really serving me, you know? Um, and meanwhile, I was also on multiple antibiotics because my doctors were like, at a last resort, like, let's try some Cipro and some Flagyl, which may be helping on one side, but really damaging on the other side, you know, and this was super long term. So that part, the blessing was it kept me off the alcohol. <laughs> but meanwhile, it's tearing up my gut on the inside. So, you know, I just kept going through the cycle. Finally, you know, I got to a place where my body started to push back and it's just, you know, our bodies are innately so intelligent. And our body is just like, oh, you're stressing me out too much. You're pushing me too far. And I wound up having um, a stricture that developed at the previous surgery site. So my intestines started to narrow to a point where not much could pass through in terms of food or drink. And, you know, I was just on a liquid diet for a while. And then they started to do some studies. Finally, I was admitted in the hospital because the pain was just so excruciating. I couldn't even get through the day. And then they did a scan and they're like, oh my gosh, that previous surgery site is really starting to stricture. We think you need surgery to fix this. And I'm like, oh, seriously, another one? <laughs> And so I'm sitting in the hospital and that was when I just, I remember I'm just tears streaming down my face. I could see my life just going up in smoke. You know, I knew medicine was done for me as a career. It was just, I was doing too much to my body that was not helping my health or my healing. And I'd ignored my health and healing, honestly, for way too long. Right. So this was the time where I had to now focus on it. You didn't stop school, did you, at that point? Or how did you balance it at that point of knowing that you needed to focus mm -hmm. on your body and having this incredible, stressful workload that you were still balancing? So this actually happened after I was done with medical school when I was, you know, training. Um, so thankfully, I was done with medical school and, and all that came with it. But it only gets more stressful as time goes on, right? Despite what my my, my mind might have thought, like, oh, okay, the worst of it's going to be then. No, it just gets more stressful and more stressful. And sometimes I think our bodies know. Sometimes I feel like our bodies can make it through a really, really stressful period. And then it knows when that's over. And then it's like, okay, now the floodgates are open and all these problems that I've been saving up for you are going to come out now. Yeah. Even though you've still got more stress ahead, like that moment was done. So it's like the body says, focus on me right now. hundred <laughs> percent. It was literally my body crying out for help. Right. And so I was in pediatrics and, you know, I tried to delude myself into thinking I got a virus from one of the kids or, you know, this or that. And it wasn't really that, right. It was my body crying out. And so, you know, honestly, mentally, I was pretty depressed at the time. You know, I was, I had the surgery, the recovery, <laughs> every one of my surgery recoveries have been nightmares. 
<laughs> sitting in the recovery, not in the recovery room, excuse me, in the hospital room and unable to move in so much pain, um, getting the lectures, my bowels are not kicking in because I can't get enough pain medication to control the pain. So now the pain medication is numbing my digestive system and it's this vicious loop, right? So eventually get out of the hospital, come home, and I'm just like, my career is gone. Who am I? What am I? And I can't deal with any of these questions, right? So, and I, um, you know, my personal life had shifted by this point in time. I was married. So now you add this stressor on top of everything too. And I just went through a whole identity crisis, you know, and my body physically sort of recovered, but didn't really recover. And eventually, like two years later, I wound up needing another surgery for a hernia that developed. And it took that and probably two more surgeries for me to start realizing that there was a deeper pattern here. And that as long as I just stayed and kept doing what I was doing, that this could just keep going on, right? And it took almost that much for me to realize, wait a minute, what I'm putting into my mouth must play a role somehow because intuitively that's running down my digestive tract. So no matter what my doctors are saying, I'm like, something's not clicking here. <laughs> How could it not play a role? It's, it's there. <laughs> right? I mean, and now it seems like such common sense, but back in those days, it was just like, oh, nothing. And that was probably... 2000, based on the timeline, 2010 around there, maybe? Yeah. Plus, plus or minus a few Plus years. or minus, maybe. Yeah. Plus or minus like a year or two. Yeah. So diet was maybe starting to enter the conversation for some doctors, but by far not all. And no. That no. was Because even when I got, I think even in my first diagnosis and asking doctors about medications in 2009, because it took me a while to get diagnosed, even then same response diet doesn't matter so yeah it was barely part of the just i think on the brink of becoming part of the conversation correct and you know it's not to say that i place blame on my doctors you know even when i went through medical school i think we got maybe you know like a couple of hours of nutrition training if that like it just it wasn't emphasized right and the people that I was seeing were, you know, some very big names in the field, but then they're also very old school. So there's that too, right? And I don't know about you, but for me personally, I feel like it comes down to, okay, this is my body. This is my health. What can I do? And it took me so long to make that shift to, wait a second, I also play a role here. I see my doctor for maybe whatever it is, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, once in three months, what am I doing in between, right? How yeah. am I helping myself? And once I started to realize that food played a role, I, I had a, to back up for a second. I had a food blog. I had a cooking blog. As I told you, I used to enjoy cooking. And so I used to follow other people with cooking blogs. And when I was recovering from one of my surgeries, I saw an update that these people were trying to help their cat to heal from arthritis through diet. And so I'm like voraciously reading this article and I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like, you know, the cat was eating like a vegan diet or something where they're actually designed to have, you know, a lot more meat. And when you're not doing that, now the joint pain is automatically going to happen. And I'm reading this and something clicked inside. I was like, wait, there's something here. So then they started to say how they were, you know, making some changes in their own diets. 
because they'd been hardcore vegans for themselves and they decided to make some changes and how and the changes that they were then seeing in their ability to be physically active etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like huh so then i started doing more research and you know i was just like okay well how can i start and so at that point in time going gluten free felt like a big deal to me i mean i loved my bread I love, I know, right? <laughs> I love my bread, like crustier bread, the better. I love my pasta. Um, and so I was like, gosh, really? Like, I'd have to give up this, this, this. And I sat with it and I struggled with it. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Look at the flip side. Also, to give you some context, by this point in time, I was on, I was on Remicade. But the normal dose of Remicade is 5 to 10 milligrams per kilogram every eight weeks. I was on 20 milligrams per kilogram every four weeks and still flaring. So not working. Not at all, right? And my options were starting to run out. I started to feel like my back was against the wall, which helped as well, right? Because I'm like, all right, well, let me try this. What do I have to lose? Not much, right? And what I started to realize was that I had a lot to gain so quickly my symptoms started to feel better i'd been struggling with pain and bloating like i'd get the pregnant belly yeah. <laughs> um you know again super glamorous and i used to try and make light of it i was like oh this thing sounds like a drum and i'd start playing <laughs> <laughs> all the while knowing this isn't right <laughs> exactly but pretty quickly within going gluten-free the bloat started to decrease i started to have more energy even my stool started to shift and i'm like huh, something's going in the right direction. Yes, there's something here. Yeah. And, and then I plateau. And then I'm like, okay, is there something else? Like, what else can I do? Right. And so I took it a step further. And for me, I decided to go paleo. And that was very helpful. And then I found acupuncture and I found the world of Eastern medicine. And that was, you want to talk about light bulb moments? I was like, wow. Here's a whole school of medicine that looks not just at the physical body as a whole, but looks at how energy flows, that looks at the connection between your mental health and your physical health, the emotions that are stuck in your body. Like I go to my acupuncturist, she'd take my pulse and she's like, are you feeling angry today? And I'm like, I only know 75 beats per minute. What are you talking about? How are you telling that? Is this magic? <laughs> And then I'd pick her brain and I'd be like, okay, well, what does that mean? And she'd be like, okay, well, then you should eat these foods. I'm like, well, how does that work? And, you know, and she'd talk about, you know, and I, and she'd talk about how energy flows in the body. And then she'd be needling certain points. I'm like, why is that so sensitive? What does that point mean? I'm such a curious person. Especially with a medical background, I would imagine you would have so many more questions than the average person who doesn't have that additional knowledge that's trying to piece it all together. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so, and she's such a sweetheart. I mean, she would sit and answer all of my questions, you know. And so then I just started, you know, doing more research and like, okay, what is all this about? And over time, I started to understand that this is a whole structure. Our bodies are a whole structure. We're 3D human beings. We're not just, you know, the way I was trained in medical school is the cardiovascular system and the gastrointestinal system and the nervous system and the, you know, and you have a specialist for each one, you know, like I had a friend who used to joke, like, at some point, we're going to have the left toe, left pinky toe specialist, like, this is crazy. 
funny story along that same note is I went in to see my nephrologist last week because I have IgA nephropathy on top of Crohn's. Mm -hmm. So my kidney numbers looked good for where we're at. And uh, but I had this swelling in my ankle and I said, well, since the numbers aren't concerning for my kidneys right now, I said, I'm guessing this ankle swelling is not related to my kidneys. And my nephrologist says, nope, not your kidneys. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So <laughs> go see your primary care doctor and maybe she can send you to someone else for a scan. <laughs> so wow. It's yeah. just very our, you know, Western medicine is just very segmented, like. Like you're saying, like there's mm-hmm. cardiovascular system, there's mm-hmm. this system, there's the nephrologist, and then there's the orthopedist. Hundred <laughs> so, percent, and, and the they number... never come together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like literally, I've seen you know like the the powwows that would happen in the hospital. Powwows is a generous word. I mean, outright arguments, right? And I'm just like, how is this helping anyone? You know. And then I step into this world, and I'm like, oh my god, like this makes sense. I'm like. So that's why this has been happening. So that's why I've been feeling stuck. So that's why I've been, you know, feeling heavy in my body. So that's why I haven't been able to progress forward. Oh my gosh. Like, and everything I would do started to shift things in, you know, in a direction that I wanted. So at some point I was able to then reach not just remission, but like to start getting to a place beyond, you know. Um, and for me, also another piece was when I started to do deeper inner work, so deep spiritual work of, you know, what are the patterns that are inside of me? How have those been playing out? And I started to untangle those, right? Because the interesting thing is that each one of those patterns, each one of those traumas, which can be a very overused word in this day and age, sometimes I feel, but every time something has happened that you know, we don't necessarily like or we can't accept. It creates an imprint on the nervous system that is carried. So now how do you start to deal with that, right? And I started to learn to unravel that. And then eventually I started to learn to work with my energy field and how to work with energy medicine. Talk to me a little bit about some of those specific things. But first, wrap up kind of the the food part. And where mm-hmm. did you where did you end up with diet after going gluten-free and then kind of paleo? Did you live in, in that space or did you make more refinements? And then talk about more like the specifics of what helped you to unravel the emotions and some mm-hmm. of those practices. For sure. So I went paleo. Eventually, I wound up finding a GAPS diet, which terrified me the first time I saw it. But eventually, it helped me a lot. And I went from that to starting to move more into a place of intuitive eating. So the GAPS diet takes you through stages and the very first stage is super, super, super simplified to the point of being boring and that's intentional. (laughs) But I felt personally in massive leaps and bounds and I don't recommend it to all my clients. It really, really depends on where people are at. Um, But I knew for me, I was like, I'm going all in. I'm not afraid anymore. Like, again, I finally got this attitude of I have nothing to lose. So I'm willing to experiment on myself and see what shakes out. Um, And I was also super deeply supported, which I think is very important, especially if you're on a more restrictive diet for any period of time. It's very important to have that support or else I know for me, I would have gone crazy. So um So I went from that to slowly starting to move out of that into a place of, as I said, more intuitive eating. So what are the things that work for me? What is my body actually asking? I started to get stronger with being in touch with my intuition, and that became a skill over time. And now it's literally like from day to day, what do I need? 
right? Um, I Nowadays, I play around with fasting sometimes. For me, I find that to be super helpful. Sometimes just giving my gut and my body a total rest feels amazing. Like I used to wonder why I felt so much better after a colonoscopy, and it turns out because everything was emptied out. Like Now looking back, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So yeah, it's literally like that. Like how I eat today might be very different than how I ate yesterday, might be very different than how I ate tomorrow. So I just really listen to what my body is asking for and do my best to give it that. And that works the best. So talk to me about some of the other practices that you got Mm -hmm. into. Obviously, acupuncture, you Mm -hmm. mentioned, was Mm -hmm. kind of this eye-opening experience that started you down some other rabbit holes. So what Mm -hmm. were some of the other things that helped you to get through like the emotional work, understanding the stress and the energy in our body? Did you start exploring meditation and mindfulness and different other avenues of whole body health? (laughs) Totally. And yeah, it started to become like this hunger, if you will, for, you know, like what else is is there to explore? What else is there to explore? Um, What was initially super overwhelming started to become exciting. And so, you know, I went to one acupuncturist initially, I wound up, you know, finding a different acupuncturist later on. And she was already on the spiritual path. And she was the one who started to guide me and show me, you know, where these patterns are playing out in my life, right? So in some ways, a therapist, but in my, in my opinion, she went much deeper than what therapy could do, because there was still this body mind synergy that was happening. So it was like, you know, we would talk about certain things, we would unpack certain things. And then the acupuncture treatment would now take it even deeper to open up those energy pathways. And then I would go home and I'd work on whatever we had talked about, whether it's, you know, personal responsibility or a victim mentality, or, um, you know, one of the things for me was I had this very strong attachment to having an identity as I am suffering with Crohn's disease. I am suffering with Crohn's disease, right? I have Crohn's disease. And it was this super, super tight hold that I had on it. I don't know if that makes sense at all metaphorically. And it took me a very long time to realize that it was time to start to loosen the grip that I had on it. Because the tighter I was holding on to that identity, the tighter the disease process was also holding on to me. Those things went together very, very closely. And um, I remember talking to a friend and, you know, she's also a very spiritual type. And she was like, why are you holding on so tight? And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're you're right. You know, and then I started to change the way I spoke about it, change the way I thought about it, change the way I interacted with it. And I eventually was able to make peace with this disease process that I was like had taken away X, Y and Z. Right. So many people talk about the new normal and accepting the new normal, which is a beautiful goal. But I feel like more often than not, what what can happen along the way is, okay, fine, I guess this is my new normal, which is very different than getting to a point where you are able to say with absolute authenticity, this has been a part of my journey. This is a part of my experience. And I accept that for what it is, no more and no less. And that's been a huge part of what I, you know, also try and pass forward because that disentanglement ultimately leads to empowerment, right? So now this disease process is not ruling me, is not ruling my life. 
it gets to be maybe a part. And honestly, now it's not even a part of my life anymore. It's such not even an afterthought, you know. How long do you think it took you from that initial path down diet and learning about this whole mind-body connection until you finally reached remission? So to reaching clinical remission, right, where my blood work numbers looked okay and my colonoscopy results looked so much better was probably maybe two years. And had you had you come off the medications or was that a tapering process? That was a tapering Um, And I knew for me, personally, my goal was always not to be on any medications. You know, my doctors had a lot to say about that along the way, which I totally respect and I understand. Um, But for me, I was just like, I don't want to be tethered to this if I don't have to be. So I knew I wasn't going to stop until that happened. And that took much longer because there was a lot of deep-seated stuff, meaning a lot of deep-seated emotions, a lot of deep-seated pain, a lot that was unprocessed. So I went through at least five or six surgeries and emotionally never really processed any of it. So all of that was inside that I had to look in the face that I had to address if I wanted to ever be free of it. Disentangling this identity was another piece, right? And then also deeply detoxifying my body, but I don't mean Some people think of detoxes and they go under some interesting rabbit holes that I don't agree with because I'm like, anything that's that harsh that is stressing your body out, you might want to think twice about it. So for me, I learned to really work with my body as cheesy or as simplistic as that might sound, depending, but really to deeply tune in and to understand what it is that it needs. So What does a detox look like for me? It might just look like having pureed soups for three days, right? It can be that simple because at no point am I going to compromise what my body needs, right? So even when I work with my clients to help them detox, it's what your body needs. It's not, I'm not going to tell them go buy a juicer and like start, you know, massively juicing while you're having 15 bowel movements a day. Like that's just going to throw you into a horrible place. But that being said, like joking aside, detoxification is so important and it is part of the puzzle. And I realized that there's different stages to healing, right? So there is removing all of the things that can be potentially triggering, inflammatory, harmful to an already inflamed gut. Then we need to work on repair. And then we start to add back the things that are really helpful that bring more vibrance, vitality, and maintain a healthy gut. And I started to learn this on my own in piecemeal fashion, right? Which is what took me a long time to like to finally get off of medications probably took me another six years, maybe. It was a a long time where I was still doing pretty well, you know, Um, and I had during this time, I also had to taper my medications down, right? So It took a while to develop the courage to realize that, hey, wait a minute, maybe my body doesn't need all this medication. And I had to also really advocate for myself, despite what my doctor's advice was at the time, until it finally got to the point where I knew deep inside, I'm like, I don't need this anymore. I'm good. And we had a conversation and, you know, she wasn't thrilled about it. And I totally respect that. And I'm like, I respect you 100% as a professional. I understand where you're coming from. And this is what my body needs right now. And um, we actually left the conversation with a really deep mutual respect. So I, um, I really appreciate that in her. 
So let's talk about where your journey has led you today, because medical school was a lifelong dream for you. Mm-hmm. And you, you went to medical school, completed that, which is phenomenal. And then you discovered this whole Eastern medicine meets Western medicine, and you start going down the information rabbit holes of gut health and finding all this additional information. So how did all of that play into where you're at now? Because you now have a thriving practice that really has a lot of focus on gut health. So how did it all come together? Yeah, thanks. I mean, that's that's an interesting um, point of reflection for me, too, because I know for me, you know, the reason I went into medicine and the reason I think that a lot of us go into medicine is to help people, you know, to help people get better, to help people get their health back. And, you know, I started to realize when I was there that I wasn't actually spending a lot of time doing that. And the time that I did have with a patient was so limited. And I had this huge list of things that needed to get done in 15 minutes, which just wasn't realistic. And for me, one of the things I've always valued is connecting with a patient, with a person on a human to human level, right? What's what's going on in your world? Yes, you're here for joint pain or your back is hurting or, you know, your your stomach is not okay or having some sort of digestive distress, but who are you? What's your life like? You know, what makes you you? You know, what makes you tick? That's always been part of who I am. And I was, you know, I was the medical student who wanted to hold, you know, someone's hand before they went into surgery and just, you know, give them some comfort. And I was never able to really do that when I got further along. So for me, it was like, this human connection is really important. And through my healing journey, I started to learn that there's this whole other world that has the capacity to really get down to the root of what's going on, not just treating symptoms, but really treating what's underneath, right? So for me, that was just like, okay, Crohn's disease is a name. It is a diagnosis. I have XYZ symptoms. Okay, great. But why are those symptoms happening in the first place? And I never felt that Western medicine could give me those answers. But through all of the work that I had been doing to get to remission and beyond, I started to realize what was really underneath and had nothing to do with a physical thing. So that became my passion was like, okay, I have this investigative mind and there is always something else that is going on underneath. And you don't have to struggle in silence and you don't have to just necessarily be on medications and go blindly through your health journey when there are things that can really, truly help food wise, lifestyle wise, but also the deeper stuff, right? The emotional release work that's there, the energy work that's there, the intuitive guidance, being able to really connect to what your body needs and start to rebuild that broken relationship between yourself and your body. Because anyone who's been through chronic illness has that broken relationship. As you start to build that, what I've started to realize is that the health, the recovery, it's inevitable. Like It's going to happen. So then I was like, okay, well, if I'm able to feel this amazing, I wonder how this can translate to other people. Because I'm like, it has to. And why is this not out there? <laughs> so um, so then I went into school for health coaching um, because I, I knew I wanted to do something that was in an integrative way. And so I found the School of Integrative Nutrition. And I was like, yeah, this really hits. This really resonates with me. So then I sat back and I said, okay, now I have this health coaching training. 
I have this medical background. So someone comes to me with, you know, blood test results, lab results, whatever. I know how to interpret it. I know how doctors speak. I understand like what's behind the doctor speaks. So I'm like, all right. And my personal journey, like I've literally walked through it. So I get it. You know, if I'm talking to a client and they're talking to me about not being able to button up their pants because their stomachs hurt, I've been there. I've been in the place where all I can wear are the moo-moos. Like I get it, <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay. So, so then I sat trying to figure out how to put these pieces together. And I worked with a mentor and I'm like, okay, this actually does all fit together. And there is a way that this makes sense. And I can bring it forth in a way that people can save themselves some agony, time, heartache, you know, all of those things. Life is so beautiful and precious. And, you know, if we're able to deal with the health challenges, there is so much more on the other side of that. And that has really become my passion to get women who are struggling with gut health issues or with gut disease to understand that they don't need to settle for just okay. Now, you mentioned on your website that you focus on women achieving optimal gut health. I forget exactly how you phrased mm -hmm. it. Do you see men as well or is it? Are you primarily focused on women? So every now and then, you know, a man will reach out to me and I'm happy to help them. It just, I feel that the reason I focus on women is because there are certain additional challenges that women face. Oftentimes there's extra demands that are being placed on them, either self-imposed or through, you know, the family. Sometimes it's a mix of both. Um, you know, the, the work environment can be unique. Women's menstrual cycles can play another role. And then there is, you know, oftentimes women also struggle historically, at least with the, you know, women, the empowerment piece, right? Being able to really take ownership of your health, of your body, um, the body image issues, right? So there's all of those layers that I've gone through that I'm able to guide women through on a deeper level. So that's the reason for the focus. It's not that I won't help men. Honestly, some of my most amazing clients have been men, but it's just that there tend to be these extra layers. And men, I'm sure, have their own sets of challenges that I just haven't been through. Yeah, I completely understand. I just thought if there's a man listening that probably wants to know the answer to that question, <laughs> I thought I'd, thought I'd ask it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So talk to me, what does it look like when someone comes to you and you have a client and they want to work with you? What does that look like, the initial process and then taking them through working with someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my work tends to be pretty intuitive, right, in terms of the flow of it. Um, but when someone comes to me, you know, the first thing I do is take sort of a health history. I don't tend to really love using that term because most people have been through a gazillion of those in their doctor's offices. And they're like, oh, really? I got to do this again. It's much more simplified, but I do need to know the story, right? What have you been through? What have you tried so far? What's worked? What hasn't worked? Where are you in this moment of time? So it starts there. And then we get together on a Zoom call and we just talk. Where are you right now? Where do you want to be? And can I help get you there? And if so, what does that look like? And so it depends. So the newly diagnosed person is going to come to me with a whole different set of challenges, questions, needs, desires than someone who's been trying to get on the other side of this for 10 years, right? So those are two totally different scenarios in my mind and in, in my approach. So it just depends, right? If they're looking for something that's more in depth, we talk about that. I have some deep one-on-one -on -one experiences that I can guide people with. 
sometimes people are like, you know, can we just try a session and see how it goes? Yeah, absolutely. I'm open to that as well. You know, the only thing that I do ask is that people come into a conversation with an open mind and just allow themselves to experience what's possible. So what I like to say is as deep as someone is able to go, that's as deep as I want to be able to take you. So there are people going back to that example, right? Someone who's been through this, let's say, for 10 years and has been trying all the things and has been to the holistic practitioners and the naturopath and this person and that person. But there's something missing, right? Can I help you find that missing link, that missing piece? You know, are you open to energy work? Can we go into there, right? Are you open to intuitive healing? Can we start tuning into what your body is asking for, right? So it depends on how open you are. The newly diagnosed person might be like, I don't even know what diet to follow. I mean, I'm Googling and there's like 50 zillion recommendations. What the heck do I do? Very different conversation, right? Very different starting point. So the end goal is the same, but it's kind of like, you know, there's uh, multiple roads to get there and there's multiple pathways to get there. And um, yeah, for me, it's just very important to meet someone where they're, where they're at and to follow their path and not for me to impose this one particular path that you must follow because it's just there's no one size fits all. Very much like IBD, there's no one size fits all. 100%. I'd argue just like humanity, right? There's no yeah, one size fits all. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Do you think you have like one biggest takeaway from your experience working with a variety of different clients that you've learned that really stands out to you? Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like the biggest thing, well, there's two things that come to mind. Um, one, addressing all of the layers of healing, right? So your physical body, your mental health, your emotional health, your um, your heart, how is your heart feeling, your spirit, and your energy field and your nervous system, right? And it goes deeper than that, but those are at least the basics. So that's one thing. And I also feel the more of that that you can have under one umbrella, the easier that it is. Because again, you know, going back to what we were talking about specialists, right? I have had also people come to me, you know, clients come to me and they're like, well, I have my naturopath and I have my acupuncturist and I have my this person and I have my yoga instructor and I have my GI doctor and I need you for this one little thing. And I'm like, mm, can we talk? I mean, I'm open to the conversation, but at the same time, again, it's piecemeal, right? And I use sometimes the analogy of the people with the elephant. So there's, you know, four or five people standing around an elephant and they're all blindfolded. One is standing near the foot, one is standing near the tail, one standing near the trunk, one is up on a ladder touching the back, and they're describing what they feel. And they all think it's something different. They take the blindfolds off and they're like, oh my gosh, we were all standing around one elephant. And so it's only when you have that bird's eye view that you can start to help to put the pieces together. So the more that that's possible and the more that you're able to get down to the root, the healing, the health is, it's, it's inevitable. Your body wants to be in balance. It's just a matter of giving it what it needs to get there. What kind of advice would you give to someone with IBD who might be listening to this and thinking, wow, this is something I've never thought of. How might I even do this? So someone who might be unsure or scared or even questioning, does this apply to me? You know, mm -hmm. I'm on medications. I've been there, but listening to your story, You've walked this path. <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to someone who, who might be contemplating going this route or just investigating this route? Mm, for sure. I would say 
a couple of things. First of all, if some part of you is telling you to investigate this, to follow this path, chances are that's your intuition. Trust it. You know your body better than anyone else. You've lived in your body since the day you were born. You're going to live in it till the day you die. If it's telling you something, you can absolutely trust that. Secondly, despite whatever you may or may not have been through so far, recovery is always possible. And the capacity for your body to begin repairing itself, no matter what your relation is to it today, is beyond your comprehension and is absolutely possible. It's just a matter of giving it what it needs. And I've seen this time and time again. You know, clients who have come to me who are just like, well, I guess that this is it, you know, with Crohn's disease, chronic kidney disease, on thyroid medication, high blood pressure, you know, this whole cocktail of different things. I mean, this particular client that I'm thinking of has been able to lower the dosage of her medications massively, despite all of these things, right? And she's in a much better place. She's planning a safari trip with her family. Like, what? Anything's possible. That's wonderful advice. So if people want to learn more about you, learn about your practice, follow you online, where can they do that? So I am on Facebook, um, which is by my name. Um, I'm on Instagram at dr.selby.coach. Um, you can come to my website, www.drselvi.com, D-R-S-E-L-V-I.com. Yeah, so reach out if you have any questions or concerns or, you know, if this is for me, I'm happy to talk to anyone. And, you know, even if I just am able to lend an ear and listen to your story, I'm happy to do that too. I will put all of those links in the show notes so that it's easy to find you. For anyone who is listening. So before we wrap up, are there any final words that you would like to share with the audience? I think it comes back to something that we were talking about a little bit earlier, and that is that if you know that you want more, despite where you are right now, you can have it and that you don't need to settle. And that if you're not happy with where you're at, and this is not how you want your life to look like for the rest of your life, because I was faced with that exact thing. You know, you want your life to look different. Something has to change. And you're the one that can make that change happen. And you can do it. You absolutely can. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Selvi, for talking with me today and sharing your story. It has been such a joy to visit with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie, for the opportunity. It's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you and sharing. Thank you for listening. If you love these interviews and want to support the podcast, visit my website at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com where you can browse my featured products page to shop the companies I love and support. Make a donation using the Buy Me a Coffee link to send a little love. Or grab a copy of my book and IBD story, Crohn's Fitness Food and My Rocky Road to Health. If you have an IBD story that you want to share, send me an email at story at Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And always remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going.